Hi, everyone. Today I have a guest, Tony from Crowblox. Welcome, Tony. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yes. And again, it's not a surprise. We'll talk about revenue operations, RevOps. Maybe we could start by having a quick introduction. So, Tony, maybe you can talk about your background and also the company, Crowblox, uh, that, you, that you work for. Thanks, Miko. Yes, so uh, my my background has been now in B2B SaaS for the last 10 or 11 years or something like that. I think the oddity is I started out a little bit more on the finance side and then very quickly got, let's just say, bored with that and then wanted to jump on the on the front side of the business, which then became revenue operations. And in all honesty, in all truth, I don't, so we actually didn't call it RevOps from day one. We call it commercial operations because we were like, Revenue operations, that's never going to stick. It needs to be, you know, and we are completely off with that, but really kind of starting, uh, starting this, this, this journey out pretty early on. Um, and then over time, and I think this is where my, my story is a little bit, uh, different and maybe unique. Over time, I got more and more responsibilities, you know, hey, Tony, you need to take care of the SDR team, take care of the performance team, take care of, you know, all of these things. And suddenly I ended up with a larger and larger team. And then it was kind of a, almost a logical step to then say for, for my CEO to put the CRO label on me, um, basically in that step, then owning all marketing, all sales, all CS, all revenue operations. So I was CRO for, for Falcon, which is now Brandwatch uh, for a while. Uh, we exited this one. This was awesome. Um, then after a year, moved on to a company called Plan Day, also here in the Nordics. Um, and and those guys, we exited uh, also 18 months or so after, after I joined, actually. And since then, uh, building Roblox, um, and, uh, you know, doing this now for a year and obviously kind of very much around, uh, revenue operations. But at the end of the day, really what we've been, what we've been realizing while building those companies, uh, my co-founders and I is there's a lot of focus on, you know, budgets and how they manage costs, but there's just, you know, an equally large side missing, which is the focus on managing revenue. And that's, that's what we're solving with an operating model and, you know, Happy to talk more about all of that stuff. Maybe later, maybe not. Uh, but that's that's my quick intro, Miko. Thanks. Excellent. I feel that in the US, there are lots of companies that have RevOps teams in place. And uh, it's also definitely up and coming uh, here in Europe. But you mentioned that you sort of started in RevOps already 10 years ago, even yeah. though it was a slightly different title. Yeah. How, like if you analyze that journey and what you have seen in other companies as well, like how has the journey been in the past 10 years or companies now putting more attention on these topics or how, how do you feel the development? Yeah, I think, I think it's a, um, I think it's an evolution also within companies. Um, and I think it's driven by obviously the complexity that you have and go to market, both from all the tools and all the data and the process and, and the complexity that, you know, the, the customer journey doesn't stop at selling. That's, you know, usually almost where it starts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so really then the first step is, hey, we need to hire someone to take care of HubSpot. That's usually the first step or someone, you know, some SDRs being promoted because, hey, this guy is like just great with CRM compliance and now he owns HubSpot. Um, and then it evolves, right? Because what then happens is, first of all, um, I sometimes call it the uh, the CS and uh, a marketing FOMO or envy of oh I also want to have that analytical person I also have tools I also have data I need someone like that um, and that then usually happens I call it this the silo ops right you have those different ops people working for those silos and uh, and this was then you know our approach really early on was we we looked at this and we're like um, hey all of these are kind of the same profiles all of these are kind of working on the same problems. 
Uh, so they need to be under one umbrella, under one roof, right? So that's where we then made the jump from silo ops to uh, revenue ops. So actually we call it commercial ops, but no one needs to know that. Um, and um, uh, and then realized, hey, these things actually hang together. And I think then the, uh, I think where the US folks are much further ahead than, than Europe, um, sure, there is the realization that someone needs to manage tools and data and process. I think that's very clear. Um, but once you have a small team of experts that understand your revenue engine end to end, that because simply they have to roll out tools. And when you roll out a tool, you will very quickly meet the reality of how things are happening in terms of tools and users and what they're doing and so forth. So you basically end up with a small team of experts that really fully understand your revenue engine. They fully yeah. understand how money is being made on the top end and how it's all funnels through and then is, you know, on the churn and, and upsell side. And what those American companies have figured out to a large degree is, okay, so why am I only, you, you know, why am I using those experts for my own business only to roll out tools? I could mm. do much more cool stuff with these folks. Um, and then they start using them for more strategic items, right? And this is, you know, where it goes maybe into revenue planning, where it goes into revenue execution, where suddenly, you know, someone in RevOps is being asked, hey, so we want to triple next year. The CFO says we have that much CAC available. As a customer acquisition cost, um, you know, is this even doable, right? And mm-hmm. and that question isn't being asked so often to to RevOps folks in Europe, I feel, but those are actually the ones that can can help you determine whether or not that's achievable or not, right? Um, and I think this is where uh, where some of the American guys are, you know, again one or two steps ahead, and I think it's not going to take long for for Europe to catch up with the same thing. Yep. In the in the previous episode, we had. Uh, Ryan Milligan from Codapath, and uh, he has a background in in data and analytics. Mm-hmm. Then we also have some individuals uh, joining as guests who have background in sales and doing nowadays RevOps. You mentioned that you have sort of background in finance. Yeah. Do you feel that like is there like one profile that really fits nicely into RevOps, or what do you see in terms of background of individuals who are now taking these these roles? Yeah. So I think it's. So I don't have a perfect, hey, this is the distribution, 80, 20, 50, 50, whatever. Um, but what I feel is that there's a kind of a, a nice 50-50 split of people with a very analytical background, if you will. And that might be the data analysts, that might be someone from finance, it might be management consultants, it might even be like, you know, investment bankers, you know, something like that, um, that go into the revenue operations role. And then you have an equal amount of people with a specific go-to-market background, right? Mm. And uh, and we covered the first example, which is the the SDR, the AE that has the best, you know, uh, CRM compliance. Okay, now you're you're the sales ops person now. Um, but equally so, I think you have it with uh, especially marketing, marketing very technical. And if you're a junior person that is responsible sticking, you know, stitching things together and using Zapier for all, all kinds of mm. different things, right? That then ends up being the person suddenly being, you know, marketing ops. Um, and, and I think similar story for CS. So I think that's how those two um, profiles emerge on the on the RevOps role. And I think it's pretty great, actually, because if you have a team, and really talking team here, not just one person RevOps, mm. but if you have a team, both of the analytical background kind of people and the, hey, this is how stuff really happens in reality, people, I think is a, is a great mix actually to have and a really strong team to build. Yeah. And uh, where do you put this RevOps in the organization? What are the best practices in terms of if you have a RevOps leader, who is that person reporting to? 
Yeah. Uh, is it CEO, chief revenue officer, maybe CFO? What, what are the best practices you have seen? Yeah, so I'm a little bit biased. Uh, I was a CRO twice, and in all the all the uh, in, in both cases, RevOps directed uh, reported directly to me, uh, and I think that's how it should be. I think RevOps should roll into the person that owns revenue as a whole. Sometimes that's the CRO, and you know, then we can discuss what well, is the CEO owning marketing or not, and all of these things. Uh, sometimes when you don't have that layer of you know leadership in your organization, it's almost the CEO. Um, and I think that sometimes is just a little bit impractical because the CEO just doesn't have time for some of those RevOps topics, right? Which then leads to uh, RevOps hanging under COO or CFO, uh, mm. which is great because it's neutral ground, right? It's not owned by... So the worst thing is to be owned by sales, CS, or marketing, by the way. that That's the worst thing. I can really, you know, uh, hope hope no one is really doing that. Um, and the, the, the neutral option between CFO and COO... The, the reason why I don't like that so much is you sometimes become a little bit more of a business partner, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm not sure if everyone has worked in like big organizations where there's, there's this finance business partner coming in and then showing you some slides that, that relationship to that person, while it's all great people is never as close as you need to have those folks to you uh, as, as, as you need to with a RevOps team that really works well. Right. So that's why I'm, I'm really, you know, RevOps needs to sit as close as possible to revenue without being biased by one single function. Uh, that, mm. That's probably how I would uh, describe it the best. Yeah. And do you feel RevOps needs like specific KPIs or do you feel that the sort of the company KPIs and objectives are the ones that are also uh, good for RevOps because they obviously focus not only on new business or CS or marketing, but it's the whole revenue engine, as you said. But do you think they need specific KPIs and do you typically see that RevOps people have like, performance-based uh, component in the in the salary model, for example? Yeah, really, really interesting question. So um, I have recently woken up to the reality that uh, a couple of RevOps folks actually have a commission component. Um, I don't think I'm a big fan of that. Uh, I, I think I'm generally not a big fan of commissions or, you know, those, those performance-based bonuses in general. I think for sales, it's just very difficult to not have it. So therefore, mm-hmm. you need to have it. Uh, for everything else, it's difficult, I feel. Um, the only cases where it does make sense, um, and that includes everyone in the organization, if you will, and, and it's, you know, maybe specifically RevOps, is when it's about, uh, let's just say, North Star metrics. So things that doesn't change all the time. I think it's really toxic to do RevOps uh, bonuses and commissions on um, uh, project deliveries and stuff like that. I think that's really terrible. Uh, but if you have RevOps being incentivized for the overall net new revenue number, for example, or for an overall CAC payback number, uh, you know, things need, would need to be figured out here to tune it in the right direction. But I think that would make uh, that would make sense, actually. Um, and I think, um, uh, you know, the way you can potentially de-stress it and, and avoid this, uh, hey, you're being biased towards the end of the quarter, which you kind of want to have with sales. Uh, maybe you do the period instead of quarterly, just annually, right? Are we are we hitting the annual revenue target? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? Um, and and then based on that, do some comp uh, for for revenue operations. I think I think that's fair. But at the end, so my my big question at the end of the day is: is this driven because the organization doesn't value you as RevOps enough to pay you enough salary, or is it because you really think that more commission would make you work harder? And I, and I usually think it's number one. It's it's not number two. I think this whole 
or I'm, I'm getting a commission now or a bonus based on performance, I think that's going to wear off after two weeks. Uh, and then it's just, you know, then, then it's just forgotten. Uh, so that's why, that's why I'm highly skeptical of it. Yep. Another thing that I've been thinking uh, is that, is there a connection between the rise of PLG, product-led growth, and the rise of RevOps? Because obviously, if companies uh, implement this PLG motion, they end up getting even more data. And I think it's sort of natural to link marketing ops and analyze traffic, and, and you start analyzing yeah. uh, sales and conversion and also uh, the whole customer journey. Do you think that those two are linked? Because we have seen, obviously, a huge rise of PLG uh, companies all over the world. Yes, I think there's, so there's for sure a correlation. Um, is there a causation potentially? Um, and I think the, so I've done this myself. I rolled out PLG at uh, Plan Day actually. Um, and doing this without a very strong RevOps leader and team behind it, impossible. Just mm. Just the amount of stitching and wiring in the background you need to do and the coordination with product, by the way, um, you can forget trying to do that either yourself or just with a sales ops person, by the way. So I think um, if you want to go down the PLG path and you're doing it you know, from a sales-led motion without a RevOps team behind it, I think you will fail. I, I don't even think you will struggle. I think you will fail, uh, quite frankly. Um, and, uh, and I think in that sense, it's probably, uh, it's probably a good observation. Um, I do think there are a couple of other um, you know, trends and waves in the background, which really is this whole SaaS thing, right? Uh, the realization that sales doesn't stop at shipping the CD-ROM anymore. Uh, it's <laughs> it's really just the start. Um, and then again, right, this um, uh, probably everyone saw this uh, insane slide with the gazillion million of, uh, you know, go-to-market logos. It's a, you know that that is that is part of that as well, right? Someone someone needs to stitch this thing together, and it's not going to be a VP sales. Mm. Good point. Good point. If if I think of sales ops, and I know RevOps is more than uh, sales ops, and sales ops is typically focusing on new business, but I've been, I've seen lots of uh, very strong sales ops people who definitely have an impact and uh, they're respected in the in the organization. But then also I've seen sales ops individuals and teams that are seen as just a support function. Yeah. What are your tips for RevOps? Like how can you actually make an impact so that people really respect you as a, as a department and, and uh, as an individual, even if they're like salespeople, CS people and marketing people are not reporting to you, like yeah. how, how, how to actually make an impact? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a number of different things, actually. I think uh, number one, the reason why sales ops RevOps is being hired initially, yes, is because of data tools and processes, period. Um, I think why you will be respected in the long run is has nothing to do with any of those three words. It has to do with you understanding the end-to-end engine, like in your head, and being able to use that to provide input to your revenue leaders or commercial leaders um, that goes beyond what they fully understand themselves. And I can tell you, um, join any random C-level executive uh, session um, and start talking about, hey, what if we tweak this thing in traffic? What if we tweak this thing in outbound? What if the ACV or conversion rate goes up and down? And no one in that room will have any clue how this is really going to affect things. Uh, it's going to be the RevOps person in the room 
that can say, mm-hmm. oh, wow, uh, that would drive CAC up. Oh, wow, this would, you know, result in this thing. If we do this, we need to kind of hire a bunch of other people over there. Um, and, and that kind of thinking and that understanding, that will get you to the VP, by the way. Uh, the, hey, we need, to, we need to talk about tools all the time and, you know, we need another seat for Salesforce and can you please approve that? Or, hey, this AE didn't fill in this field and now we need to have a validation rule. That's that's not going to get you promoted and or respected by by anyone down the line. By the way, you will remain to be the system admin person as much as you potentially might hate that. Um, but really, you know, think about end-to-end, think about revenue impact. Everything that your RevOps team is doing, uh, there needs to be, you know, it doesn't need to be a hard RI, but there needs to be a, hey, this is this is why we're doing it for. Uh, and and that that sentence better end with more revenue or less cost. Uh, otherwise, it's it's not going to be. Uh, it's you're just not going to be that useful for the organization. And we have also lots of people in the audience uh, who are building these go-to-market tools, and uh, they've been selling services for and, and products for sales and marketing and, and CS. But I would imagine that with the rise of revenue ops, there's sort of a, like a new buying center also for these companies. They yeah. will actually sell to rev ops yes. and. Uh, as you mentioned, the example that if you talk about those things in a big, big room, it's going to be the RevOps who actually gets it and they start thinking how, how certain things uh, impact uh, KPIs and, and whatnot. So do you think the buying center will be more informed if you're selling to sales marketing and, and uh, CS, for example, SaaS services? Now you'll end up uh, negotiating and having meetings with RevOps and most likely that's going to be quite well-informed buying yeah. center. Do you think that has an impact on how, how to do sales? And obviously Croblox is also providing great services for RevOps. So you have experience also from that side of the table. No, absolutely. Um, so I think RevOps, sales ops, anything ops has been part of the buying process for the last 10, 15 years already. So this is nothing new really. Um and they're usually there to give the technical thumbs up, um, you know, and um, and usually RevOps is um, is really used to you know big numbers, like hundred k, two hundred k for Salesforce. Yeah, that's you know that's just what it is. Um, let's negotiate a little bit down by two hundred thousand euros, no problem. Um, what what we found uh, in our selling to RevOps is. Um, them buying software for themselves, uh, that that is that is still a little bit of an underdeveloped area. Um, mm. There's still a uh, well. I'm kind of used to big numbers, uh, but I'm not too too used to um, that. I'm not buying it for someone else, but that I'm actually the decision maker. I'm the champion. I need to drive this into the organization. Versus, I'm buying, uh, let's just say, a prospecting tool, um, mm. and you know that really helps the SDRs. Uh, or BDRs, whatever you call them, um, and uh, and I'm giving my technical thumbs up to that, right? So I think if you if you uh, are selling something to the go to market teams, I think revenue operations and similar will be part of your um, either champions or uh, technical decision makers. Um, if you're selling directly to them, um, then then it's you know it's I think they're still early on on that journey. Uh, mm. uh, that's that's my perspective. Yeah, and. There are lots of uh, companies that have sales ops today. And uh, sometimes sales ops is also focusing on uh, CES and marketing and finance, but quite often they just focus on new business. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So if you have that type of uh, example that the sales ops in place, they focus on new business only, do you think it's a better way to just expand the responsibilities of that sales ops uh, function and, and start calling it rev ops so that they help CS marketing and finance as well? Or do you think it's better to first have CS ops and marketing ops, even though you end up having silo ops? Uh, like what, what are your tips? Because there's so many companies that have sales ops, but it's mainly yeah. new business focused. I think that, I think there's a big difference between sales ops that just one day decides that they're going to call themselves rev ops <laughs> and yeah. actual rev ops. Um, then there's the, if, if you're sales ops and want to own more of the journey, which I understand, and then you should call yourself revenue operations. Um, but you're still reporting to the VP sales. I think that's, that's an issue. Um, mm. and then the other thing is depending on the size of the organization there, you know, as I said, you know, earlier, there is probably someone in marketing that kind of does the marketing ops job mm. right now. And, and there's probably someone in CS that does the CS ops role right now. And, and that will be a little bit of a political maneuvering kind of situation where you basically now need to pull off a trick where you say like, Hey, first of all, I don't like my boss anymore. I need to go somewhere else. I need to report to the next level up. Oh, and I'm going to take two of those folks with me that are reporting into other people. I think that's really difficult to pull off. I think you probably won't achieve that without a uh, C-level buy-in in this and, you know, some, some, some tailwind and, and helping you. Mm. Um, but that's, I think what, what probably should, should be done. Right. And I think the, you know, maybe the step-by-step move would be to maybe, you know, keep reporting to the VP sales at CS ops. That's probably the easier one. Uh, try and get marketing ops. And once you're, you know, maybe three, six months out and have done that and people like you, then maybe say, hey, maybe it would be better to move out of the VP sales and report into someone more revenue or neutral. Um, that's probably how, well, it's kind of how I approached it, honestly. That's 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 how I did it in the end. But uh, um, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky path. And it, I think by now, what makes it a little bit easier is it's not, you know, by now it's a well-traveled path, right? You're not the first one trailblazing there are a couple of examples you can use and and there might also be a decent chance that your ceo coo cfo cro whatever have seen this before and and therefore might be more uh, more helpful and uh, you know in, on that journey yeah and then also of course lots of startups um in the in the audience as well some of them uh they don't have any ops yet yeah. is it the- even possible to say like some sort of rule of thumb, like yeah. what's the head count or how many people in sales and CS and marketing do you typically have when it's yep. the right time to start building ops team? Yeah, I, th- I think there is actually, I think, um, so first of all, you need to be post product market fit. So you need to have a product that you can sell repeatedly um, and you need to be on your journey to go to market fit, right? In mm-hmm. in ARR numbers, um, and those are wildly different all the time, but you're between one and 10 million AR euros. That's where you would probably kind of be right now. And uh, I think the earliest that I've seen is between 50 and a hundred folks. Then you would start thinking about uh, sales ops and all revenue operations. And usually you will end up doing sales ops earlier around the 50 rather than the hundred because, mm-hmm. um, because part of your initial motion might be outbound Um and uh, then the VP of sales says, well, we need to buy outreach now. Um, 
And then the VP of sales sits there and tries to integrate outreach with HubSpot. And then he's like, uh, actually, we need to hire someone for this. <laughs> that, will, that will probably be the, the, the initial point here. Um, and, uh, and then you just go ahead and do that, right? It's, I would even argue it's similar timing for having your first full finance hire around mm. 50. Uh, you know, it doesn't really make sense before. Um, mm. And that's probably uh, that's probably when you get your first sales ops person. And then obviously you need to have a uh, an ambition to grow your sales team, and it can't be just be founder led sales. It it needs to kind of move out of that, mm-hmm. and suddenly you have five, ten reps uh, for different reasons, or even CS folks or support folks. Um, I think then then ops is is a good good thing to have at that point. Yeah, yeah. I really like the term you mentioned, go to market fit. So you mentioned first you need to find product market fit yeah. and then go to market fit mm-hmm. is that um a term that you have been using a lot it's just, it's actually i haven't been thinking about it that way that product market fit first of course it makes sense and then go to market fit so that you find your way of putting the product out in the market uh, yeah. in, a, in a in a scalable way but i, so, I like that idea and that's i guess where revops comes into play yeah yeah so i would like to claim that thought for myself, but I can't, someone else came up with that. And I just, Hey, that makes a bunch of sense. Let's copy this. Well, let's copy, let's use it. Right. And Mm. I think the folks from uh, winning by design are using this a lot. I think also the um, uh, generally speaking, VCs are speaking that language, right? So if you think about it, Mm. uh, if you're around a million and you have product market fit, that's where you get your series A. uh, And then from A to, to B is kind of you're between the one to 10 million. And the questions that they will ask you be, between the A and the B is, um, you know, do you have repeatability in your sales process? And if the answer is yes, then it's like, well, let's do a massive series B uh, and just make sure that all of that money gets funneled through your repeatable sales process and then turns into revenue, right? That will be the conversation you have at that point. And that's once you have reached go-to-market fit. Yeah. And then final question. Uh, let's assume that there's, an individual who will be the first RevOps person. And, and uh, maybe it's a company between five to 15 million annual recurring revenue. They yeah. already have some tools in place. Maybe they use HubSpot for marketing automation, Salesforce for CRM, and then a bunch of other, other go-to-market tools. But how would you get started in that role? What would you do first? Because there's so many things. There's data, processes, people, um, technologies, like what would be the the way to get started in that role if you're yeah. new to RevOps? So it depends a little bit when you join. Um, and, and maybe, you know, if you're not number 51 on the on the headcount list, if, if, if you're a little bit later than that, around the 5 million, um, I think what will happen is that you will probably spend your first year. And I think that's also a good expectation to build with whoever is hiring you. You will probably spend your first year on cleanup work. Uh, you know, you will open up HubSpot or Salesforce or whatever they're having, and you will like scratch your head and you're like, oh, oh, okay, okay, I understand. That's that's where we are. And you will do the same thing with a couple of other things. Um, what I would advise to do is think about, and you might have a bit of a tendency from your past. Maybe you're more of a marketing leaning or sales leaning or CS leaning person. Um, Try and detach yourself as much as possible from that. Uh, I know it will give you some more quick wins early on and so forth. I get that. But really try and figure out what is the problem of the business right now and and you know focus your efforts on on trying to help with that through your lens of tools, data, processes, and so forth. Um, 
if the business is having, um, I don't know, a massive churn problem and you spend a year cleaning up, um, I don't know, your lead types or whatever, I think it's, you know, you will just not be valued as much in the organization. And I think that overall awareness, um, you need to have that on to make the right prioritization decisions. And and then there's obviously a, a gazillion other pieces that that might influence that. For example, uh, the reason that you were hired initially, they might have like a specific thing for you. And, and I don't, you know, it's difficult for you to say like, okay, I understand that. Yes, but I'm going to do something else now. So you probably need to do the stuff that someone wanted you to do originally. Excellent. Thank you so much for, for the interview. So many good tips. If people now want to... Um... Uh, get in touch with you maybe check uh, the services crowblox is, is providing or just to spar all things revops with you what's the best way to get in touch with you so crowblox.com is one thing um also you can buy our product if you want to that's also another thing <laughs> yeah what, just quickly what, what is the product all about uh, yeah so really that. um so really what what companies need to be using to manage their revenue is something that we're calling an operating model and the operating model goes all the way from traffic to churn, everything in between. So it's not just sales, it's everything. And really what you want to understand is instead of having kind of blended CVRs and blended everything, which finance is doing and it's like leading to lots of headache, you want to be able to slice and dice it. You want to be able to have it fully connected to your full go-to-market stack. You want to use it for revenue planning. You want to use it for QBRs and MBRs. You want to make sure that you know, if the CFO comes and says, hey, we need to triple revenue next year and have 10 million of CAC, you want to be the person that can say, well, you know, we can do that, but I need a million more, right? Um, and that's that's what Growblox is doing for for most of the, uh, so, so for our customers and most of them are B2B scale-ups actually, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in SaaS. But uh, how to stay in touch with me is uh, connect with me on LinkedIn uh, for sure. Um, also, um, I'm having uh, also a podcast Join that. It's called The Revenue Formula. Find it on Spotify and on my LinkedIn profile. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that that's probably the best way to keep hearing me ranting about uh, revenue. Excellent. Once more, thank you so much for the interview. And, and with all the others, we'll meet again next week with a new uh, new guest. Thanks, Tony, once more. Wonderful. Thanks a bunch. Thanks for having me.